You found us. Welcome to the Holminster Podcast, a church in the centre of Hull. Your place to worship, enjoy, explore and to belong. If you'd like more information in how you can get involved, visit our website at www.hullminster.org. Jesus promised that where two or three are gathered in his name, there he is with them. So let us pray. Lord, we know you are here with us. Guide our thinking, enter our hearts and direct our lives. Amen. Amen. Well, we're continuing our series on the Psalms and I'm going to be exploring Psalms 96 to 99 and looking what it means to have God as our king of our lives and what his kingdom looks like. I'm going to look at a section from each psalm, which Jake will read for us. But first, I want to just give a bit of background to set the scene. We've already heard that the psalms were used in worship in the temple, long before they were collated. Thank you. <laughs> long before they were collated and put in order that we have them in our Bibles today. These four psalms were put together because they're praising God, declaring him king who reigns over them. Now, several commentators have said that these four psalms were used at the Jewish festival of tabernacles, which was celebrated at gathering in of the harvest. Everyone, and I mean everyone, from all over went up to the temple in Jerusalem. They were joyous occasions. They had music and singing and dancing. They were loud, extravagant in their praise and thanksgiving to God as king. I feel it was much more Bangra than monastic. It was really something. And these four psalms aren't even thought to have been written at the same time, but they were put together because of their theme. Some are from before the exile and some after. Now I've noticed, we keep hearing this word exile, and I just want to tell you how it fits in the story. So if we start with King David, who wrote some of the Psalms, he ruled over the 12 tribes of Israel. And after David, his son Solomon became king. Now it was Solomon who built that first temple in Jerusalem. And it was to house the Ark of the Covenant. The Hebrew people thought that this was where they met with the presence of God. And then there were many problems with the 12 tribes and they couldn't decide who was going to be king. And so the kingdom split into two. There was Judah and there was Israel. And the book of Kings and Chronicles tells of their story. They had kings who obeyed God and some that didn't. Jerusalem with the temple was in Judah and after a succession of bad kings, the Babylonians attacked Judah and deported the king, the officials, the craftsmen with all their families to Babylon. They had to live in a foreign land. They were in exile. 
You may remember Psalm 137 telling of their grief. By the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. And uh, those of a certain age will remember Bolien singing that. <laughs> the Hebrews were taken from where they thought God was and their temple was destroyed. But the prophets in exile encouraged them, encouraged them to stay faithful to their God. So these people knew about turmoil in their lives. So when they returned about 50 years later, they eventually rebuilt the temple and it played an important part in re-establishing the presence of God by providing a focal point for worship. Our psalms would have been part of that worship of God. But what are those psalms for us today? So I'm going to ask Jake to read the first four verses of Psalm 96. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvellous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. One of the reasons I asked to come to Holminster on my placement was because I could see from your website that you have many forms of worship here. And I was intrigued. Was it four or five different churches meeting at the same building? Or was there something that held it together? And I've noticed that there is a lot that is in common to all the services. Firstly, Christ is at the centre of each. It's shown in the hospitality and care shown for each other and the welcome to newcomers. The prayers, the reading of scripture, preaching and heartfelt praise and worship through the singing at all services are a common thread. The differences are much smaller and they are the style of singing and music, but all feels heartfelt authentic in the worship of God. If we are what we eat, then song is the food of our souls. Our hearts and minds need feeding and the songs we sing filter into our very being and help shape us. The lyrics that we sing in church are repeated in our hearts and help shape our priorities, our behaviours and our love. In times of trouble, I find it's the words of known Christian songs that come to mind. There have been many a time I've walked to school singing, Walk with me, O my Lord, through the darkest night and brightest day. Be at my side, O Lord. Hold my hand and guide me on my way. A song from my student days. Or singing the Lord's Prayer. Or a chorus from the Lord's My Shepherd. I will trust in you alone. I'm sure you all have go-to songs. We need a breadth of different songs for different situations in life. And the Psalms have been the greatest inspiration for writing and singing songs. Psalms have been used for over 3,000 years to worship God. 
in every age the psalms have been set to music of the time and i've done this but if you google any of the psalms today you will find that someone has set them to contemporary music in hymns old and new the one we use at the main service over at the minster if you look there's an index and every psalm has inspired a song or a hymn so this psalm Sing to the Lord a new song. All the earth praise his name. It infiltrates the very soul of the singers. And they're praising God, their king and our king. God meant us to know the joy of singing. Singing helps us learn scripture. It sustains us when prayer feels hard. There is singing in the kingdom of God. And the Psalms help us to know what to sing. And so now, Psalm 97, verses 6 to 9. Jake's going to bring us those. The heavens proclaim his righteousness, and all people see his glory. And all who worship images are put to shame. Those who boast in idols, worship him, all you gods. Zion hears and rejoices, and the villages of Judah are glad because of your judgment, Lord. For you, Lord, are the most high over all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. The first module on the theological theology mission and ministry course that I'm doing was on the Old Testament. Becoming familiar with the overarching story, themes and dramas as the revelation of who God is and his relationship with his people unfolds. But this is the Hebrew scriptures that Jesus read from, that he links his own life to the prophecies that tell of his coming. Now, I've never been one for looking at ancient artefacts, but... Going to the British Museum after doing this study and seeing the size of the statues and the pillars and the beautiful carvings in the stone that have been made to the ancient gods in Babylon and other places, I can see how easy it was for them to fall for these idols. I think I'd not really connected the sophistication of what was possible at that time. And in my mind, I think I had them still living in mud huts. So these idols were very real to them. Mixing with other people influenced and seduced the people of God. So what are the idols of our present day that distract us from seeing and worshipping God as king? When I was teaching full time, I know that Sunday was a day to get everything back in line, being in church with people worshipping God, listening to the readings, the sermons, and time to pray. I'd get everything back in perspective. I would start each week with good intentions to read my portion of scripture each day, to spend time in prayer. But the distractions of work and marking and preparation crept in and filled my time and I would rely on snatched prayer times, singing and praying on my walk to school. <clears throat> the idols of today are not always so obvious, but they're there. Cares and worries can become idols. Time-checking social media, wanting material things, 
It's just busyness. As the psalmist says, the kingdom of God is at hand. Let the heavens proclaim his righteousness and all people see his glory. Let us be part of that kingdom. Let us pray God to praise God and not be distracted by our idols. And now, from Psalm 98, verses 7 to 9. Let the sea resound and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands, let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. Love being by the sea or the top of a mountain. I feel that I naturally want to praise God there. Psalm 121, I will lift up my eyes unto the hill, comes to mind as I climb a mountain. Psalm 98 is telling us that all creation see God as their king. So we can worship God in nature and it sings the same song with us. In our busy lives, we need time to worship. Sacred spaces can be places, but they can also be time spent in God's company. If we love someone very much, then we need to spend time with them. It's not enough to be with them in a crowd. The relationship will be starved if we do not spend time with them. And it's the same with God. Chatting to him throughout the day is not a substitute for specific periods of quiet with him, but it's another part of the whole life of prayer. The trouble is that busy lives make it difficult to fit in times like this. Jesus did not pray at the same time every day, but withdrew himself away from the crowds to spend time with God when the time was given. When we're trying to find time to spend with God, it can be very frustrating that our lives are so busy. The secret is to treat time of prayer as something that is given to us as a gift. So the next free 10 minutes that is given to you, choose to spend it in prayer. Be part of God's kingdom. And now our last psalm, Psalm 99. The Lord reigns, let the nations tremble. The King is mighty, he loves justice, you have established equity. Lord our God, you answer them. You were to Israel a forgiving God, though you punished their misdeeds. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy mountain. The Lord our God is holy. So what is our God, our King, like? The psalmist tells he is mighty, he loves justice, he established equity or fairness. He is a forgiving God and he's holy. Kingship and divine kingship is a theme through these psalms. The Bible views human monarchs 
as the earthly agents of the divine kingship of God. The God who is determined that the world he created would be one where justice and fair play exist for all people, not just the favoured few. We have greater insight to the kingdom of God because of Jesus. We have his teaching and example showing us what fairness and justice look like. But how do other people know what our king is like if they don't read the Bible, if they've not had an encounter with the living God? Is it through our actions? Max Lucado has written a beautiful story called God's Mirror, and it's worth reading. (coughs) I'll try and summarise it. Max is on a plane reading his Bible, and a rabbi comes and sits next to him and says, I see you like Jewish authors. The rabbi then goes on to tell a story about a Manhattan skyscraper. Everyone in the skyscraper works for the CEO, who has offices on the top floor. No one has seen the CEO, but they have met his daughter. The daughter is bossy, not caring about the workers, orders them about, makes demands, interrupts schedules and is thoughtless. Isn't this the boss's daughter? Doesn't she speak for the father? The girl is dishonouring the name of her father by her insensitive living. But what if it was different? If the, no- if the daughter notices the worker who had a very early start and brought them a coffee, helps the person struggling with too big a pile of files, welcomes a new worker, and shows kindness and concern to all. People will say, she's the CEO's child. She reflects his heart. When she speaks, they assume she is speaking for him. They think highly of her, so of him, even though they have never seen him. They know his child, so they know his heart. So as the plane comes into land, the rabbi turns to Max and says, do you know how the story ends? So he says, no. So he says, the the daughter takes the elevator to the top floor and her father greets her at the door. He is aware of her good works And her kind acts, and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we are told that we are ambassadors for Christ. We are to promote the king's agenda, protect the king's reputation, and present the king's will. But because of Jesus, we also know that this king is our Father in heaven. So as we go out into the world this week, may we reflect the Father's heart by our actions, find time to spend with him, 
sing his praise, promote the kingdom, and he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen. <clears throat> Well, we hope you've enjoyed listening to one of our sermons. If you'd like to learn more about what we do, then follow us on social media or visit our website, www.holminster.org.